Welcome to Midnight Menu Plus One. I'm Ray Kanata. And I'm Margot Moss. Midnight Menu Plus One is a food lifestyle show on the podcast network. It's NewOrleans.com. Tonight, we're at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room in the Irish Channel. The Tap Room is NOLA Brewing's on-site watering hole. They serve NOLA's regular lineup of craft beer as well as eight specialty brews you can't get anywhere else. The Tap Room is open seven days a week, weekdays from 2 to 11 p.m. and weekends from 11 in the morning till 11.30 p.m. Well, friends, glad you could join us. Each week on Midnight Menu Plus One, Margo and I invite a member of New Orleans' restaurant and food community to have a beer with us, and we invite them to bring along their own guest, a Plus One. We never know who the Plus One's going to be. It can be a friend, a neighbor, a family member, a fellow restaurant colleague. We just don't know. Our special guest on Midnight Menu Plus One tonight is Joe Armitage of Samich. All right. Well, we're re- we are really looking forward to chatting with uh, with Joe. But before we do that, let's briefly catch up on this week's culinary adventures. Margot, you uh, you, you seem a little jittery. Did you have some caffeine? I can tell. <laughs> yes, I had a Thai iced tea. Uh oh. I am very jittery. So. All right, so now we've added some a variable to this uh, equation <laughs> that's not usually present. Yes. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, yeah, I'll have an excuse if I say anything um, embarrassing. It was I can the just caffeine speaking. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow, because you do not ha- normally have much caffeine at all, right? No, I'm not no. a big caffeine person. Wow. Uh, I had, let's see, I, I well, today, okay, so, you know, uh, my Monday's my day off, and only day of the week I get off, so I, I like to walk really far, and so today I walked 16 and a half miles round trip to the Ninth Ward from my house uptown, and on the way back from the from the Ninth Ward, I stopped at Elizabeth's, and I tried to do that last week, and they were closed. They're fixing the floor or something. But I had I hadn't been to Elizabeth's in years, you know. It's been a while, and everybody loves it so much. So I had I had a great meal. I, I got the uh, I got the redneck eggs, which is uh, which is like a couple poached eggs, a hollandaise sauce over like three fried green tomatoes with hash browns. Really good. Yum. Love that place so much. Sounds like enough and good fuel for your uh, eight miles back. Yeah, yeah, that probably. Bur- I mean, uh, yeah, you know, you burn like so few. You know, you got you got to burn like you got to go two hundred miles to burn a pound or something like that. So it's like basically that's probably one bite of fried green <laughs> tomato. But I'm exhausted. So you're you're all caffeinated on the opposite. I'm exhausted. But then also I um so last so uh, last time I was down that way in the Bywater a few days ago, um, I went to I I meant to go to Lisbeth and I didn't get far enough. I stopped when I saw Cake Cafe and I went to Cake Cafe, which also I've been to in a few years. Maybe well not a few years, a few months. And I got the salmon and eggs. It was so good. It was like, you know, sometimes you get salmon and eggs, and it'll be like just a little bit of like, you know. Uh, th- this, was, this was a whole filet. It, was, it had to be four or five ounces of salmon on top of the eggs. It was just so good. I love that place anyway. Well, in terrific. the theme of that area, I, um, I went to Paladar 511. Yeah, how was that? I loved it. I have not been. Yeah, but I, I um, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. What would you have? Well, let, let's get to our guests. I'm gonna, I'll tell you all about... Uh, all right. It's I, a uh, secret. She doesn't want us to yes. know. I want everyone to go and not be influenced by what I ate. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> let's um, let's uh, meet Joe. Welcome. So glad to have you here, Joe. Thank you. Thank you very much. I live in the Bywater, by the way, so yes, all right. there, there's, there's a connection. So I right walked there. past your house probably a couple times this week. Yeah, mine's probably the smallest one on the block, so a little inconspicuous. Stay out of people's way, you know, right. stay low-key. So, Joe, um, you, last time I uh, saw you, it was at a wonderful little restaurant on Maple Street yep, called rock, Sandwich. Rocking at the Sandwich. We love Absolutely. Sandwich. Absolutely. Absolutely love Sandwich. And um, Chef Michael Brewer over there putting together 
you know, I think some pretty outrageous po' boys. His idea was to take what he saw on small plates around the city and slap them in between Leidenheimer po' boy bread. So uh, from there on, it, it kind of took off from the po' boy festival on Oak Street. Uh, and, you know, I think the sky's a limit for him. Maybe Maple Street wasn't his best uh, location. Right, uh, so you're, you're alluding to the news. The news we got this week was that sandwich is going under. It is, it is, that it is. Mike's probably moving on, and I bet that's what his idea is right now is to get a more uh, uh, lunch-friendly location because that seemed to be when, when uh, the, the, the main time that he was dominating uh, was during lunchtime. Uh, once you get into the nighttime, you have a lot of bars to compete with in that area. So, you know, I think he, he's got other plans. He's a big wine guy. Uh, and, and so Mike's going to do well for himself. He's the king of Louisiana seafood right now. So, you know, how can you uh, compete with that? So what do you mean? Tell, tell us a little bit about where he, he came from. I don't, I don't know. His well, you know, I mean, he's, uh, he, he worked for years at Commander's Palace. Uh, he was a wine buyer over there. So, you know, much like uh, a, a lot of us in the industry, you know, you just start out really, I think, just uh, with a passion for people. And you get into it, uh, whether you're waiting tables in the front of the house or you're cooking in the back of the house or maybe you're doing both of the things. Uh, you know, that's a lot how a lot of people get inspired in the New Orleans restaurant business is just by uh, getting involved in, at the low level and working their way up. Uh, you know, much like the, the guest I brought today. And it's very intertwined with all of the things like like music. Uh, uh, a lot of the people who are involved in the restaurant industry are involved in the music industry. Right, yeah, we and get that it, all the time. Absolutely, yeah. it's, it's, it's incredibly intertwined. Uh, I think people are in New Orleans have a tendency to bounce back and forth between all of their passions. Uh, yeah, well, this, this is what bums me about sandwich going under because, I mean, I, the sandwich place opened up across the street from you, <laughs> and it has none <laughs> of those things. It's a cultural wasteland. It's just a chain, a national chain that serves mass-produced Franken food and has no interest in music or culture or art or whatever. It's, it's hard just, to believe those and, places can survive. And that place is doing fine, and Sandwich goes under. I mean, yeah. it just it broke my heart. I mean, I, I really wanted to just give up on the city this week when I heard that. It was so horrible. Well, how, how do you explain that? I don't get it. Well, I think I mean, it's cheaper, obviously. There's, but. Uh, there's a lot of dynamics involved, absolutely. I mean, you know, you really have to have a, a pretty tight business plan uh, and, and fit your, your, your niche, so to speak. And, uh, and I think that Sandwich had a lot of those things, but there was a few things, probably just some other environmental factors. I definitely think uh, there's a lot of bars on Maple Street. And so, uh, you know, I, I, there was a, we leaned towards a lot of the craft beers and, of course, NOLA and, and yeah. things like that that uh, people are doing around nowadays. We, we, we pulled Mike, being in the liquor industry, he had a lot of contacts, so we pulled from a lot of the, the different uh, uh, distributors that were coming in. And so he kind of focused a little bit, on that, uh, and but his food spuck, you know, would speak for itself. So I, I think that next time around he'll probably add maybe a, a maybe a wine dynamic to it because oh. he's he's really into wine. I think that's where he, he originally comes from, uh, as far as his passions. So maybe next time around he'll he'll fit the neighborhood a little bit because hey, look. Even in that location, there aren't too many wine shops around. Right, mm -hmm. right. So, you know, maybe he recultivates the idea, because he's generally an uptown guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe he recultivates the idea with a little more basis in wine instead of beer. And, well, what percentage you know, of your customers were at students? Mm -hmm. uh, not very many, as a matter of fact, because, you know, of course, it all starts with your own sphere of influence. 
and uh, and then getting out to people and they tell other people and they tell other people and then convenience is a major factor of course because if it's in your neighborhood you're probably going to go to it but quite frankly uh, you know with our, our price point and and the kind of food we were doing I would say 20% maybe student or less so we, we were we were very fortunate like that we had a very uh, good dynamic so Joe I want to know a little bit about you um, <laughs> where did you come from like where did well, you start in the I am, food I'm, I'm industry? I'm a lifelong uh, you know when I was 17 I started at Clancy's you know down uh, there on on Annunciation uh, Henry yeah, Clay area my, my dad lives in that area to this day yeah. and uh, so I, I moved uh, over to a place called Flagons, which was one of the first original wine bistros. There was a manager there named Daryl Reginelli. <laughs> and so he went on oh, to do some pretty big things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, throughout the years, I met some really great people. I was involved in music in, in the early 90s as well. That's how I met my plus one over here. Uh, as a matter of fact, my plus one had a restaurant in the French Quarter for many years. All right. All right. Maybe, well, maybe we should go ahead and uh, bring him well, in then, too, know. now that you're... You started introducing. Let's do that. <laughs> um, Surprise! But, wait, 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 wait. I, I. Uh, all right. Is I would like you to introduce your plus one, but I don't want to get away from from. Okay. You're not going to get out of us. Um, no Interrogating you. We'll we'll restart the story. Uh, my plus one is is Aaron Lambert. Welcome, and, Aaron. Uh, Welcome, Aaron. Hello. Why'd you choose Great Aaron? To be here. Well, Aaron is is a local musician. He's uh, he's a lifelong New Orleanian. He grew up in the French Quarter. He's been uh, you know one of my best friends uh, as long as I can remember. Now it's got to be probably thirty years. And uh, you know we met at an early influential age, and he was very influential on me. His family was. Uh, uh, they are centered around uh, Preservation Hall and uh, and the the local New Orleans music scene. Uh, as well as restaurant scene. His father owned the Royal Cafe for years, which was right across from the current Rouse's, the old A&P food store. So Aaron and I both worked there as managers uh, in the in the late 90s and early 2000s, up, up until its closure. Were you co-managers or were you uh, yeah. different shifts? Or? We, we, yeah, pretty much. We, oh. were, we were always kind of uh, either... Either he was getting me a job or I was getting him a job as we worked through the, uh, the restaurant industry. It, it, it's uh, first of all, thanks for. I appreciate Joe bringing me. It's great to be here. Um, yeah, I've known Joe uh, for um, close to thirty years. We met at Le Bonton Roulet. I was looking for a bass player for this band, and I just turned around and asked him, "Do you play bass?" He said, "No, I don't." But I have a friend that does. Sat down with a pitcher of beer, and thirty years later, he's my best friend in the world. Um, yeah. What band? Wait, hold Wait, up. You, were you guys there when you were 12? What's going on? <laughs> no, bro, ago. we're old. We're old, dog. You do we're not old. look yeah, like you've been legally drinking 30 years ago. Dark in here. preschool. This is, this is preschool. No. Okay. Um, but uh, what, I'm sorry, what was the question? And what band was it? The name the- of the band was Moon Saloon. It was named after uh, a bar in uh, Crested Butte, Colorado. And uh, we had uh, no fame, but we got to play at like the original Muddy Waters and Tipitina's and... Uh, the scene back then was just, you know, it was the music. I, I am the luckiest man in the world. I, I just feel I'm the luckiest person to be born into the city I was born into, into the family I was, into the people and the city that I was. And uh, music was always going to be a part of it. And Joe and Moon Saloon was really my first um, uh, adventure with music outside of Preservation Hall, which I had grown up around in traditional jazz and brass band music and 
we went out and did it and opened up for widespread panic in Auburn, Alabama before widespread was anything. And, um, over, you know, most musicians do have to have other ways to live, uh, at least at some stage in your career when you're starting or whatever, most people do augment it. And, um, Actually, growing up as a kid, the, the musicians I looked up to, all the traditional jazz musicians, they were school teachers, mailmen, postmen. They all had day jobs and everything. So my heroes were just normal, everyday people. And so that's what Joe was, and that's what, uh, you know, one of the reasons we connected so well was we do both have a passion for food and the city. And uh, so, yeah, I don't... Really, I, when I started working at Royal Cafe, Joe was already working there and managing there. And uh, I just came on for the last couple of years, you know, right before we closed uh, 2005, uh, 2004, the fall of 2004. And um, uh, since then, you know, when we closed that down, I went and took a manager job at uh, Cafe Giovanni. Ah. And uh, I had Joe and an incredible staff of people that, you know, needed a place to work. And actually, I think yep. Tim Washington, a yep. great dear old friend, still works at Cafe Giovanni. Absolutely. One of the best Italian restaurant uh, places in town, if you still get it. Yeah, yeah, opera, dude, the live opera during oh, the, yeah. where else can you go and hear live opera? And it's, it's kind of performance art, too, because they move around. They don't just stand in one spot there. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's, it's really, a, it's a great place to go for a little event thing. If you've got friends yeah. in town or something like that, great yeah. food as well. Go but, there uh, and let Chef Duke feed you. Get the feed me. Yeah, get yeah, the feed yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what we got. We got the feed me when yeah. I went there last time. It's yeah. a great deal. It's a great deal. My, my waiter said to me, uh, they they were they were having this quasi romantic thing going with the singers as they as they moved around the room and it was it was a little over the top and the waiter came over and said like I always find this way more creepy than erotic. <laughs> <laughs> I said you're getting a big tip. That's great. Oh, by the way, I did want to go back and say the the salmon and uh, eggs and uh, bagel plate. cake it, it, it cake is, cafe. It's all yeah. my girlfriend Julie ever gets. And there. if it's you awesome. want another musical awesome. connection, uh, the guy who owns Cake Cafe, Steve yeah. Hemmelfarb. Okay. okay. He was one of the big-time music producers and studio engineers in New Orleans in, I guess, in Metairie in, in the early 80s and whatnot. Back when New Orleans area had a lot of studios. We, and, yeah. we recorded yeah. with him with Moon Saloon. Yeah. So, you know, people, there's, there well, is a real strange connection between, you know, I think there's an energy that you have to put into both, and it's well, a consistent energy. Well, don't you think that the music scene here and the creativity of it inspires the food and the food inspires the music? It's sort of like they, they kind of go together. It's not an accident that the place has, is so creative in both those things, you know? I think you have to, you know, you, you kind of have to do both every day. You know, my, my stepdad owned a restaurant, Randall's, uh, in Metairie when I was a kid. That's how I got my start. And, uh, you know, he always used to tell me, hey, life's a bitch, but eat a good meal every day. You'll be happy once every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and music's the same way. You're going to pick up the drums. I get about three gonna, good meals a day in this hey, town every you know, day, and I'm miserable. I don't understand that. I, you know, I'm missing something. <laughs> it's perspective. It's perspective. <laughs> No, but that that really is true if you're focusing and living in the moment. And I think that's what, you know, cooks and people who work in restaurants and people who do music, uh, they do the best is they live in the moment. You know, when you're when you're serving a guest, 
Um, it's their little moment. It's their, you know, it's they're on stage, and, and you're there to make it, make them shine for a minute, you know. And, and so, it's definitely, it's all about people, you know. Even right. though it's your your craft is music right. or food, it's still all about people. Talking so. about the Royal Cafe, we we have so many friends out of that restaurant that are lifelong friends. One of them just went through open heart surgery. And it's a guy Aaron had to let go at one point, but came you back strong. No, 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 This was 20 years ago. He fired himself. Yes. I, I yes, just, yes, I yes. had but to I be mean, the conduit for it, it. It's amazing how, you know, it, it's just the circle of friends build out of these restaurants and out of these bands. And, uh, and it becomes a soul in the world. And I do want to say another one of those people that worked yeah. at Royal Cafe with us uh, has been sitting in Saints. We have a group of about. 15 of us that have had season tickets together for about 16 years and Jennifer Freeberg who sits with us I've known this girl since we hired her at Royal Cafe when she was a 16 year old hostess and this girl now is the events coordinator and pretty much runs Cafe Giovanni with uh, Chef Duke Um, and yeah she's got an amazing daughter as well hey Cass (laughs) okay um let me ask you Joe so what do you think you're gonna be doing next what is your if you're pursuing your passions and um, wh- where's that going to lead you next? Hey, what's the next moment? You said wow. you're living in the moment. What's the next moment for you? Uh, well, you know, I, I, I'm 43 years old now. So, yeah, playing music. Wait with a second. My boys. See, I was right. You were 13 in the yeah. bar that day. Yeah. 30 years ago. Pretty you much. Said. Yeah, well, when yeah. you're from New Orleans, you usually start early. Yeah. You know, that's why you can adapt to, uh, you know, you don't lose it too often. You, you start out so early. By the time you're 21, it's like, eh. That's old hat. You've already made all these memories, lifelong friendships. All these things have already happened by the time you're 14. Well, I don't know. I feel very lucky. I don't know if it's uh, South Louisiana or what it is, but you do build these lifelong friendships that stay there and stay there. A lot of times it's because of proximity. I mean, your people don't want to leave New Orleans. So, you right. know, you, you, you stay friends for a long, long time. So I'm uh, right now I'm kind of I'm hanging with my family a lot because I feel like I have an opportunity to. And I'm hanging with my friends. And uh, I think the next chapter has a little music involved. It certainly has some food and, and whatnot involved. I really enjoy uh, uh, being on a team, you know. And, and that's a great thing about working in a restaurant is that you get to cultivate a great team. And that's really what makes a great restaurant. I mean, now food is obviously an important uh, component. But as we know, you know, convenience sometimes dominates. You'll go to that sandwich shop that's new when it's around your corner. Not me, that, but some people right, will. Exactly, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but I think there's a happy medium between, uh, you know, serving people and being able to exist in this. I mean, you know, New Orleans has such Thanks. great food. And right now with a lot of the types of restaurants that are out there, you know, it's not cheap to go out to eat in New Orleans anymore. Right, right. Uh, so I think that uh, a guy that can find the happy medium in between serving great food conveniently at a good price, uh, that, that's where I'd like to be. Huh. All right. So what, what musically, do you do musically? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, not only am I fortunate to have Aaron Lambert in my life, but Dave Jordan, who's a, a great local musician, too, is somebody that's a lifelong friend of mine. So uh, I've already been collaborating with them behind the scenes for years, and I think it's just now time to 
uh, uh, bring it, bring it out. He's, he's gone. Yes, he plays. He's gone out on a couple tours. He's being a little shy right now. He's yeah, just what, dabbling do, to get back you, into like, music. Coach them emotionally, uh, no, I, I, or do you I've actually always, play I've an instrument? <laughs> actually, you know, it's yes, funny. Both. Coaching the emotionally part is 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 a big part of it because yeah. people, if they're confident about what they're doing, if you just tell them that sounds good, that sounds good, then they'll just keep doing it and then they'll get better at it. Right, so, what so, instrument? We didn't hear it uh, yet. Guitar, sing. Always used to do that, but I really just I, I like. Like writing songs, and that's why it's easier for me sometimes to just be on the couch and let everybody do the the, the stuff out out there. But so you you're know, writing is is something absolutely, you're absolutely pursuing. It's something it's something that's always a part of your life every day. Much like having to eat a meal, you know, playing a song or sitting down, you know, with your instrument or whatever, and just basically having that melody that's in your head come out into reality is something that's real special. It sticks with you, and 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 um, you're lucky when you when you have that. A lot okay. of people do. They grow up with music. Everybody kind of gets, maybe their parents make them play a, a drum or a clarinet or something. So it's a very universal language. A lot of people understand it. You know, Mike at the Sandwich, you know, he's an electrical engineer by, by degree, but he played saxophone when he was a kid. <laughs> you know, so it, these things, they're all kind of intertwined. You know, sports, music, food. Um, Louisiana's lucky. It's, it's got such a rich heritage of all that all right well um aaron i'd like to know a little bit about your um family's history with preservation hall and um my parents moved down to new orleans from philadelphia in 1965 uh it was right after my uncle alan jaffe and uh, my aunt sandra jaffe had started preservation hall along with uh larry bornstein uh larry bornstein was a New Orleans icon. He uh, was pretty much known as the king of the uh, French Quarter, and basically, uh, they opened up the hall so uh, jazz musicians, traditional jazz musicians, would have a place to play music. Um, my mother had been down here. I've got to tell this story. My mother had been down here twice before they decided to move down here, and this is back in early 1960. And they grew up in a Jewish neighborhood in Philadelphia and back in the early 60s wherever you grew up you didn't move away from your family you didn't move outside your city or your community and uh, my mom came down and visited New Orleans twice one time taking pictures of a second line that my aunt had taken her to um, and actually I found some of these pictures a couple of weeks ago in a box they're amazing but after seeing the city she wanted to bring my dad down here my dad came down here and after six hours said I don't want to go back to Philadelphia and they had the balls to leave their family and come down to New Orleans and move into the French Quarter with my aunt and uncle uh, into this environment that was musicians, artists, um, and cooks. Uh, Buster Holmes was the cook of the French Quarter back then. He had a Creole food joint right there on the corner of Dauphine and Orleans, uh, Burgundy and Orleans, excuse me. And uh, right now it's a nicely renovated, gentrified property. But back in the day, he had uh, roasted garlic chicken on Tuesdays for 50 cents and red beans and rice every day that had the turkey necks and everything and the best crawfish bisque you could ever smell or taste. And we would meet there with musicians and teachers and everybody. And so I knew at a very early age that, number one, the food is awesome. I love this, how this food tastes. And number two, every time I'm eating this food, I'm around people that I like being around. And then at night I'd go to the hall and I'd see, wow, these guys are picking up instruments and they're making those people dance. And I just happened to gravitate to drums at a, at a very, very early stage. And, uh, you know, just sort of let the city raise me, which is, you know, now 46 years later, 
um, there's not a prouder man walking the earth to say <laughs> he's from where he's from. So you got to have some great stories in preservation halls. Can you give one or two that kind of stick out? What are the first ones that jump to mind about uh, musicians? Something, something unusual happening at uh, preservation hall. The first hall. one that jumps to mind because it's the most recent was uh, being at the uh, Foo Fighters <laughs> situation that was going on there last uh, spring. Um, yeah, tell us about that. I, well, I got a call from my brother. Uh, I got a text uh, from my brother, Howard, who works at Preservation Hall. He's been managing there since he graduated from college. Uh, my cousin, Ben, is um, the guy with the hair that uh, <laughs> uh, plays with the band. And um, he said, hey, the Foos, who I knew had been recording there all week, are going to have a little show if you want to come by. So um, I really wasn't planning on going by, but at uh, like quarter to eight, I got a text from a friend saying, hey, I'm going by the hall. Let's go. We go by. There's like eight people out on the block. Um, next thing I know, Howard says, hey, come here. He brings me inside and there's production stuff everywhere, film stuff everywhere. He introduces me to a couple people. And then next thing I turn around and my cousin Jeanette, who's married to my cousin Ben, introduces me to Dave Grohl. And we had a Really an amazing conversation about New Orleans, uh, about the food, about Joe Lasty, the drummer of the hall. And Joe Lasty, uh, who's probably, I'm not even going to guess, I don't want to do that to you, Joe. But Joe's been around for a little while longer than I have. I've known him since I was a child. And I know he, along with other traditional musicians, emotional struggle of giving your life to your passion and feeling, I don't know, unrecognized. Um, yeah by the greater awareness of the social community and to see to hear from dave his respect for the city and the music and everything it was so he has pretty his pretty good knowledge of uh dude, pretty it was intimate so, knowledge it of was New so i was i was blown away i've been fortunate enough to come across quite a few celebrities right. and noteworthy people in my life and i've got to say that more so than anybody i can think of off the top of my head dave Grohl really does get it um, his, uh, you know, I sat before they did their set, the Preservation Hall band did a short set and the drums, the hall, if you've ever been in Preservation Hall, it was, set, it, it right. was set up completely. You know who hasn't? A lot of locals. <laughs> a lot of locals. I hate to say that, but yeah, a lot of locals. Anyway, uh, it was set up completely opposite and um, I saw Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins, the drummer for the Foo Fighters, sit there and watch Joe Lasty for 30 minutes in complete awe. Wow. Of what he was doing in complete awe of an art form that I have been breathing and bleeding for 46 years. And to see the look of validation on Joe and all the musicians face. Um, I was lucky to get a chance to, to thank Dave afterwards. We talked for a little while longer and just to let him know that, you know, it was funny. I asked him, how, when, how long have you known about the hall? <laughs> and he was honest. He said, you know, for about a year, like until they did wow. something with my morning jacket, they weren't on his radar. And I just wanted him to know that I really appreciated the fact that them putting doing this with the hall is going to give uh, the voice to this music and this, you know, and the hall itself, which is and will always be so much more than just a building or a venue yeah. to me uh, to the world was uh, was an incredible gift. And uh, he, he's, he's a cool dude, really just a cool, great guy. Great guy. Uh, Got to give Ben Jaffe some credit, too, Ooh, for, I mean, look. Uh, you know, having a, a, a lot of vision and and wherewithal to, 
you know, it, it's a difficult slope. It's a slippery slope. Preservation Hall is all about the tradition right. and the history. And so how do you move that into the future? You yeah. know, especially uh, in the light after Katrina, when so many of our musicians were displaced right. and weren't able to come back. And disproportionately, the older kind of folks who exactly. were the mainstay at Preservation Hall. Exactly. It's the older guys passing on traditions. When you go there to hear play on a typical night, the majority of them are, you know, tends to be like African-American guys uh-huh. over like 70 or whatever, yep. or like the good chunk of the musicians. And that's how it, it always has been. And those, and, guys, and those guys died disproportionately or got driven away and couldn't come back. They did. And so like uh, Joe's alluding to, I mean, I, I have so much love and admiration from, for my cousin. I mean, you know, we all had to come back to the city and rebuild our lives in some form or fashion. I really don't know how to wrap my mind around having to also rebuild something that's it's not just a, a business like, you know, you open the doors every day. It's really it's sort of an iconic um, place for for an art form for traditional New Orleans jazz right. and what he's done with the music and how he's gotten it out there now and what he's doing with it is just it, it's great to see. Yeah. I'm so proud of him. It, it's it's that epicenter, that, that crazy, you know, singularity of how like a a business and something right. great that's great for humanity like works together in synchronicity. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, what, what do you think about this? Uh, could there be a food version of that? Because I mean, we, you know, sometimes a put down for some of the sort of iconic New Orleans restaurants that don't tend to sure. develop. We'll call them food museums, mm-hmm. and that's usually men as an insult, you know, sort of for certain ones. Like, oh, I'm going to such and such a place. I'm like, man, why would you go there? That's like a, it's become a food museum. You want to know but where like, I eat? What's that? I've been here 46 years. You want to know where I eat, brother? <laughs> where? When I want seafood, I go to the galley on Metairie Road. I've been eating my seafood <laughs> at the galley on Metairie Road for 20-some years. Uh, Does it stay the same? It, it, it is always the best. They don't change their recipes. It's okay. awesome. They've been doing the soft shell po' boy out of Jazz Fest since they <laughs> since the first year in 1969. Um, the best barbecue shrimp in the city. I, I've eaten Pascal them all. No, not since the storm. I hate saying it. Mr. B's and I would <laughs> oh, take Mr. B's, Mr. B's seven days a week and twice on Fantastic, Sundays. Mr. Yeah. B's throws it down. Um, right. If we're talking, what else? Uh, like uh, garlic chicken. It used to be two jocks. Used to be two jocks. I got to go back there. I, I love yeah. the people at Charlie's Steakhouse, and that makes uh, the love steak that place. Uh, my wife and I were just delicious. saying yesterday how bad we were Jones in for a steak at Charlie's Steakhouse. It's been been a few months since we've been. Yeah. We love that place. And every time you go to Charlie's, you see people. You but what know. do you think it is about that? I mean, the thing is, you couldn't like as great as New Orleans food was, say fifty years ago. You couldn't. You couldn't if everything stayed the same, and you just and you couldn't just subsist and enjoy just eating that all the time in the same way musically like preservation hall is you know is amazing but you you wouldn't want it to be the only place you go to hear music right, right? i mean it would be right. sort of after a while it would sort of be ingrown or whatever absolutely so what is it about the interplay between tradition and growth like how do those things do you see a relationship between the two and I mean, for example, you need to go back to the fundamentals. You know, football's flashing in the background. I'm thinking right, of the, you right. know, you have to go back to the fundamentals to know how to create new plays or whatever. It's sort of like you have to go back to the fundamentals of jazz to be able to understand where it came from and to be able to move forward in new creative ways. And I think to preserve something that's really solid fundamentally and is really, really, you know, really loves the tradition, I think is really important for also being creative. No, I mean. Well, or, or do, you, do you disagree? You're I, nodding kind of... Uh, no, no, I, I, I agree with much of what you said, but, um, you know, I, I think, unfortunately, honestly, uh, since Katrina, I think the, the game has really changed. The game has really changed in the food industry. I think uh, a lot of the places that... The types of places, I should say, that used to be able to carve out a good niche 
aren't really going to be able to is more because number one, you can't afford the real estate in the neighborhood that you used to be living in to have it. Now somebody's coming in and proving that thing and they're putting in a nice sandwich shop like you mentioned. <laughs> you know, look, I actually worked at the sandwich too for a couple months. I helped out yeah. Mike Brew and everything. Nice. And yeah. Amazing product. Uh, but yes, the cards are, are again, the, it's really difficult if, unless you're coming in with a huge bankroll or a huge name. And we've even seen a lot of huge names not be able to succeed since the storm because the uh, what people want on their menu now is different what they want before the storm because we've got about 38% of this city that are, are just now living in New Orleans. So right. they're still used to the food that they are familiar with. And right, so when right. a new place opens and it's a little more chic sounding, it appeals to the person more that just moved down here and is buying the five hundred eight hundred thousand dollar home but and also don't you think it takes a while to develop a taste in those traditional dishes too it's like traditional jazz absolutely it's like, it's like absolutely you can be a tourist and go and have your first jambalaya and go wow i've never had this before this is awesome but you but it, you know the one you're going to like the first time is going to be different than the one you're going to like 10 years after having it week in and week out right you get a refined sure. the subtleties of it come out over time and you know, music's that way too. Absolutely. And it takes, it, it's not to put a slam the carpet baggers or new people are coming here. It's just to say it takes right. a while. I know that from my own experience. I've only been here 10 years. But my first couple of years, I'm embarrassed of some of the favorite, some of my favorite restaurants in my first <laughs> year or two here, you know? I don't want to tell you what they were, but. Well, and some of the greatest ones, uh, you know, they're, they're always coming and going too. So, you know, you know I think you're riding a wave because the market demands all sorts of types of products, you know? And so. Uh, you're going to get the whole spectrum. We used to love this place called Yuglasitches. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My God. They keep teasing us. They come to the festivals about once a year, and they tell you they're about to reopen. And they then do they never... private functions. Yeah, but they don't reopen the place. They no, keep I promising don't. they're going to reopen that place. So, you know, it's just like that. It's like yeah. you ride that wave of... Uh, uh, I know, Yuglasitches. Uh, well, a place that we've gone to uh, quite a few times, uh, Maripaw in the Bywater. Right, yeah, you know, just, just shut recently. down this week, so, too. You know, it's, it's lots of different factors. I think that, uh, you know, maybe the new business plan is that you're only thinking about operating for five years and you're flashing in the pan and showing what you can do and moving on to another crate. I don't, I, I don't know. I think, like Aaron says, I think the, the business plan for a restaurant is, has changed, uh, much like the business plan for a musician has changed. You, know, you don't sell mm. records too much anymore. You, it, everything's a personal appearance uh, huh. but don't y'all think that that is always happening <coughs> i mean the food industry yes. the food business is really hard yes i mean is. the most talented passionate uh brilliant people it doesn't mean that everything's gonna fall in place i mean isn't this is not a new thing I, that no, place no, restaurants not. close right it's not at all but <laughs> and this is just my opinion from some uh, from someone that has been sort of around the, the industry. Uh, I I do feel that before the storm, there was just a different. You didn't have as many people trying to open new places, so the raw failure rate was less. Like uh. if anything else, I'm just saying. Uh, you know, we're a city now. I think of like three hundred and twelve thousand, and before the storm, it was like three sixty-eight. And of the three twelve oh. that are here, there's still how many? A hundred and eight that were displaced that never came back. So I think that it, it it happens everywhere in every city. But for example, and this relates back to what you were speaking of, as a New Orleans musician, frequently on the road, you see a place. Hey, we got gumbo. So all right, you know not to try <laughs> it, but somebody in the band always tries the gumbo. It's never good. 
but right. they're the restaurants always making a killing right. in Little Rock, yeah, yeah in yeah. Tuscaloosa, right, 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 right. in New Orleans. Do you know how good your freaking gumbo's got to be if yeah, you want right, to stay in right. business? It, it's it's got to be otherworldly, and so. And that's the thing is, unless you're within about a block of the uh, Jackson Square, then you're okay because exactly. it's, first, it's their first time. And, too. and look yeah. for Royal Cafe, which lasted in the French Quarter, God bless it, for 20 years. I mean, 78 percent of our clientele over those 21 years were tourists. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's what you're going to get. Well, I'm speaking of Jackson Square. I mean, Aaron and I both worked for Chef Scott Boswell for f- five years or so uh, over at Stanley. Huh. Well, Stanley's awesome. Yeah, so you know it. it, it You're making funny faces, though. What, do you have stories? Oh, come on, you got lots brother. Of stories I got place, so huh? many stories, Let's and I am going to do somebody yeah. a huge favor and keep my mouth shut. No, <laughs> come on, it's just us. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but you get to I see. Love uh, we we've seen we have seen the the dynamics of inside lots of different restaurants and yeah. and uh, but Stanley's I, another good example. Stella was their original one, and that one went under. Yes. And then Stanley's you know doing great. Yeah, so I think you know uh, obviously <laughs> location, location, location. That is always a tried and true. Whether it's real estate, whether it's business, whether you know, I, I mean, and I, leadership, leaders. I'm sorry, and leadership, leadership, <laughs> location, sure. location. He is dying. He's yeah. dying yeah. to tell us the story. Well, look, you know, I think, you know, one of the great things about New Orleans is that it encourages entrepreneurship. Yes. You know, uh, whether you're a musician, you're a, you're a, you know, you're an independent contractor, you know, a waiter, whatever. You, you, that's almost an independent contractor by nature, you know. <laughs> so um, it encourages this, this the entrepreneurial spirit. And so a lot of times people are so encouraged to follow their passions. A lot of times I can attest to this by seeing all the other people around you going after their stuff. So you want to go after yours, too. So there's a lot of spirit of that in New Orleans. And so a lot of times I think people, they they believe that they can operate on that alone. But it right. still tapes, takes finding like, OK, what does this neighborhood not have? Right. You know, what are people here actually going to buy? Let me figure out what this you know, that's what a, what a business is, your passion right. and your skill maybe food or wine or music or whatever but finding the area where uh they need that commodity right. is what business is so. well i mean well, you know this you're saying sobering things and if there are people listening that are thinking about starting restaurants in New Orleans, we don't want to or musicians we don't want to discourage them we want them to be sure. we want to be realistic but can i can i offer maybe a suggestion of something on the positive side too i think new orleans i thought about this a lot new orleans um allows failure more than other places do absolutely you know you can bomb here and you know you know where i come from you bomb and you're 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 a loser you want to right here you know here you bomb and it's you know you laugh it off and you go okay i'll try again because everybody's a loser here we're all we're all screw-ups you know and and there's a lot less sort of uh demand for perfection and for success here so you so you could be an entrepreneur and if it doesn't work out then you, you you lick your wounds you, you regroup and you come up with something else a year that's later. That's what true okay. freedom is. Yeah. And I think well, I think that's a key to, to so success creative. too is um, learning, experiencing failure, yeah. and having the mindset to keep going. To me, that's a successful life. Right. Um, and I, I'm glad. I mean, Margot and I have been here. failures as broadcasting <laughs> for three years now. Look, and, I got to say, and people let us—they still put a yeah. mic in front of our face. It's great this town. You know? Failure is a tricky word to use, and it's one of the words, the things I hate about the English language. Because when a restaurant <laughs> closes, to me, that doesn't mean you failed. Right. Royal right. Cafe closed after 20 years. That's not a failure. Absolutely. I've known great restaurants that were open for six months that, to me, were an absolute success. Right, right. To me, the sandwich was a success for Mike Brewer. Yes, Absolutely. Yes. It's yes. going to give him something that he can build on. It's got a great uh, 
a great springboard for people to move on. And to that Thank point, you. New Orleans yeah. is uber out. resilient. And yes. that is one of the things that allows us to continue after the storm and after people moving away and these other things. And I in no way meant to discourage anyone. No, no, I, 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 mean, I will, because I, I, I will say this: balance, yeah. being a musician that grew up and lived here, and also lived in Nashville, Tennessee, and some other places yeah, for yeah, a couple yeah. years, there is no city musically that it, that will open their arms to you as yes. a musician the way that this city is. If you come here and you just open yourself to this city, just be real, and, and it's awesome. And yeah, trying is it. a way of life here. Exactly, yeah, yeah, keep yeah. trying. That's what that's what you do. Well, with this, your it life. seems like the city's more in tune with the process than is with the product. At the end of the day, too, isn't it? I mean, like, you gotta. Be. I mean, I, I go hear a lot of music that's okay. I hear some music that's fantastic. I hear some music that's okay, and I've been, I love it and enjoy it because it's more about the earnestness and the whatever. And you're saying, "Where's that person going?" And that person's only 18. Where they're going to be in another two years? And you know that kind of thing. I think New Orleans. It's taught me that I didn't have that before I got here. I don't think, you know, to the extent I do. How long have you been here? Ten years. But I'm saying, like, don't you think that's a a quality that the city has? I mean, it sort of, it teaches us how to um, appreciate the process uh, and not just sort of the final product. It's not demanding tomorrow that you perfect something, right? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because... I'm the type of person that likes to be a little more rehearsed. I like a recipe. Maybe that's why I like restaurants so much, you know. Whereas, you know, the New Orleans musician, they've been cooking that meal so many times, so often, they can just jump in with another guy and make that recipe right right on the spot. You know, so that's where that evolution takes place is that for a new Orleanian, they're every day making that on the spot. And it's through the consistency of doing that, that almost like through attrition that, you know, all of a sudden you, but you're, you're just a, a group of guys in new Orleans. And then 30 years later, you're the radiators. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's perfect. Yada, yada. You're 30 years. Take, later, yeah. tr- take yeah. trombone shorty, for example. Right. Right. I remember when that dude was born, I was living in the Treme. I mean, we know their family really well. And then fast forward, to whatever 29 years later and now like Dave Grohl wants to hang out with him yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know and, and you're seeing so many New Orleans musicians I mean Jonathan Baptiste on the Stephen Colbert yeah, show yeah yeah, yeah 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 and there's so many young guys and the, the what makes me think of Elvis Costello that scene which apparently is real uh, from Treme where he's basically starstruck by Kermit Ruffins and Kermit Ruffins is just kind of like who's that is that oh it's Elvis Costello who's that that's is that a journalist of the times picking you like doesn't know who the guy is Look, and he's totally unimpressed they're like hey at that attitude you're never gonna leave this town and he's like he's like who'd want to yeah I'm, I'm good with that <laughs> but that's right now you know because you talk about the Joe Latisse, you know that that uh, they've been their whole life unrecognized, and that's really yeah. only been now. But it goes back to your point of how it's cyclical. How don't you believe that goes in waves? You know, because yeah. I think there's been plenty of times throughout history where musicians aren't recognized. Like I guarantee you, weren't they like the last people that went down with the Titanic? <laughs> like, oh no, no, y'all got to keep playing. We're all getting off this thing. You know, I just so? I wanted to touch again on what you just asked and relate it back to food. Although I could talk about music forever. But the thing that I always got as a kid around the food here is it seemed to me like the recipes always came from somebody's mother. When you went to a restaurant or when you went to a cookout, it always came to somebody. When there are, are, are new places, absolutely, their food could be awesome. And there's a lot of new places that I know and love, but it's just changed a little bit. I'm not saying it's, 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 it's different. Um, and that is going to make the city. I mean, we're still just the greatest city in the world. The food is just. You know, yeah, come down here, cook everything, eat everything, and then go back to your city and try to be happy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah, well, that's the big warning, too, for our listeners, right? If you're not, we have a lot of folks that don't live here, that don't, you know, aren't from New Orleans, haven't been here yet. Like, 
the curse of it is this place ruins you the rest of the world. You can't after after being here a few times, you can't enjoy the food anywhere else. You can't enjoy the music anywhere else because the whole just the whole package is so great here. That's how it is. Yeah, you can't go on vacation anymore. Well, and, and even think, though uh, New Orleans has gotten more expensive to live here after Katrina, I guess on the national average, I mean, for people coming from California and oh, New York, yeah, when they spend cheap. that dollar down here at New Orleans prices, you know, you get a lot of bang for your buck. So um, it's amazing that with that economic dynamic that we've been able to maintain all of the culture here uh, consistently over hundreds of years. I mean, that's yeah. been happening for hundreds of years. Oh, it's Same amazing. Deal. It's a miracle. Right. We are out of time, aren't we, Margot? Uh, that came on so suddenly. Are, yes. Um, can we, um, do y'all want to uh, discuss one, anything, put out any, any plugs or do you have any projects? Context <laughs> for, sure. to buy yeah, sure. CDs yeah, yeah. or, yeah. Uh, sure, you know, support absolutely. anything y'all are um, doing before we go? I would encourage go. everybody when you're visiting New Orleans, if you're in town on a Tuesday night, to come by DBA and see me playing with the Treme Brass Band if you're in town on a Wednesday night. Unbelievable, unbelievable band and a fantastic venue. Unbelievable. Um, my... Definitely the, by far the best music club down on Frenchman. And, uh, the band's still run by the uh, founder, Benny Jones Sr. Um, Wednesday nights we play at the Candlelight Lounge. Uh, if you see Big Chief Monk Boudreaux yeah. come out, you might see me behind the drums. Um, I've got my own band, Funk or Fried. Um, and it's funny. Uh, when I, before the storm, when I was working as a manager at my dad's place, there would frequently be a weekend when... I would help somebody to their table or talk to them and ask them if they had a nice meal. They'd see me at playing at a club down DBA down on Frenchman, and then they'd see me playing with a brass band at Preservation Hall. And that's, you know, the, no, my only plug is just come down, come down and visit the city, especially if you haven't been here, because I guarantee it's going to be it's something like you will wish you always have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yep. just shout out to uh, the Dave Jordan Band and the Neighborhood Improvement Association because those are my boys, yeah, and I do nice. a lot of work with them. And uh, Rotary Downs is a great band that anybody, if they haven't seen, you know, kind of the, oh, I don't know, what do you call it nowadays? It's the underground New Orleans type of music. I don't know, whatever it is. But Rotary, Bound, Rotary Downs has, like, been one of the best bands in New Orleans for a decade. So you have to go see them if you come to town. Uh, Mike Dusan, West Bank Mike, is a very talented guy. You see him around town for sure. And uh, Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes, yeah. they're great. So just a few tidbits of people that are great to see around town well great all right that's one of the few times i think we've ever had a guest give plugs for uh projects they're not directly involved in right <laughs> <laughs> usually it's their own well, stuff yeah it's what it's stuff about. behind yeah, the scenes family, yeah. behind we're the scenes yeah. we're all family well our special guest tonight on midnight menu plus one was joe armitage and his plus one was aaron lambert you can find out more about all these projects and anything else we uh, find out in the interim by uh going to our website it's neworleans.com uh, thanks, Joe and Aaron, for joining us tonight. And um, I'd like to thank Petite Pet Care and the NOLA Brewing Tap Room for the awesome beer this evening. Have we mentioned the NOLA Brewing Tap Room is open seven days a week? You can come here anytime or you can join us back here next week for another Midnight Menu Plus One. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Till then, I'm Margot Moss. And I'm Ray Canada. Good night.
Summer's almost over, but at Old Navy, the styles are as hot as ever. Get to Old Navy now for 30% off all jeans, 40% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, get 30, 40, and 50% off all your favorite styles for the whole family, plus up to 75% off clearance. Hurry in fast. These deals won't last. The sale ends soon at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid in-store 822 to 828 and online 822 to 824. Excludes in-store clearance, bubbles, active, licensed, and men's package tees. 